Good evening. Welcome to the Fort, La Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics, Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Ryan. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise or that will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? Awesome. So let's start the meditation. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
I was asked to do a joke, um, so I'm just going to pull this one out of the repertoire, so sorry, it's on a whim, but uh, <laughs> uh, what's the first step of Hypochondriacs Anonymous? Why? Admitting that you don't have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, you might have also noticed that we're uh, practicing sanitizing everything and keeping a safe distance, so I hope you're all doing the same at home and staying safe. Um, we're going to go ahead and do our family's fog light prayer. Uh, So just follow along. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. All right, there is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Barry to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. Uh, So it's kind of important to know know what one is. So let's welcome up Barry. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Barry. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experience must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing fellowship of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means a rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. 
Um, so we have Doc here for his 11th session uh, tonight, um, and it's it's been amazing so far. And you know, we're just super thankful that he's uh, braving this uh, dangerous time to come and talk for us. So uh, let's bring up Doc. Welcome to 28 Days Later. <laughs> yeah, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I love this stuff. I love AA. I love you people. That's why I'm here. Um, and Step 11, I particularly love Step 11. Um, man, you know, this is awesome. This is awesome. We've had this capability for years. It's been kind of floating around. Some people have done online meetings and some haven't. And then uh, now everyone's doing it. And years from now, people will, you know, the newcomers today will talk about it when they're old timers, right? Saying, I remember back in the pandemic of 2020, we started online meetings, you know. And I think we had 76,000 people watch last week. I can think that. It doesn't matter what the facts are, but I think that. And at 52,000, I know it goes around the world, so good morning, good evening, good day, good night, wherever you are, and uh, welcome. Thank God they wrote it down in 27 different languages, too. Oh boy, step 11. So go up to your next meeting and ask someone there, how are you doing on the uh, meditation part <laughs> of your program? And, and you will get an answer, if not immediately, very quickly, not too well. I'm not, you know, well, you know, I'm trying my best. And I don't meditate that often, a little bit, but it, you know, and I would tell you, it's a step! You know, <laughs> it's probably the most important step of all of them. It's not like a suggestion, right? It's not, it's not, okay, maybe you should do a fourth step. Maybe you could do a fifth step if you feel like it, right? You know, we already slip and slide on six and seven because you don't actually have to physically do something. So when we get to 11, it's like, eh, you know, I'm kind of doing it. That's, that's, it's going to send you back to step zero is exactly what will happen. You'll be before step one. You will have struggles with being powerless if you don't do step 11. Pardon me. And I think um, one of the reasons we have uh, 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 an elephant in the room in different 12 steps, not just this one, and all sorts of different 12-step fellowships, that elephant in the room is people sneaking around uh, in various levels of affection, hiding in the dark and banging each other all over the place. And then we go, ah, oh, you know, we're just, you know, we're newly sober. And, we, and, it, and it's not that. That, I think, absolutely is a fear of being powerless. You know, and the first thing we can do is go, I'm not entirely powerless. I'm powerless over alcohol, but I'm not powerless over my love life. So I can impose my power on someone and get them to turn over something that I feel is valuable to them, and therefore I'm not powerless. And we wonder, these people are the ones that are always going, yeah, I'm, I'm a serial dater in the program, but um, I'm really having a problem with step three. I turn it over, I get it back. I turn it over, I take it back. It's no, you're having a problem with step one. And often the reason we have a problem with step one is because we're not 
doing clear self-examination, prayer, and meditation interwoven, as it says in step 11. Yeah? It says on page um, 98, I brought my glasses this week, in page 98, there is a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Right? They call that mindfulness, mindfulness uh, meditation these days. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit, and every alcoholic knows how to pray. Right? I haven't met an alcoholic, even atheistic alcoholics, who didn't know how to pray when the last minute came down, right? When the red and blue lights are going, and they're going, can't you just give me... No, they don't say, can't you just give me a warning? They go, can you just give me a warning? And then, no, I got to take in. Okay, God, God, please. I swear to God, officer, I'll never do this again. This is the first time, I swear to God. Right? We know how to pray separately, but taken together, when they are logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. Bill Wilson said that understanding that putting prayer and meditation together as a tool was probably the most significant thing he learned in this whole program, right? Amazing. Using it as a tool, interweaving it, and then packaging uh, packaging it in self-examination. Now and then we may be granted a glimpse of that ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom, right? That's not like a place. It's not like the magic God kingdom. It's not, right, got battlements, you know, the the little cutouts in the towers and and flags. It's not God's kingdom. It's not a place. It's an era. It's a reign, right? It's when it's God's world. It's where God is, where we're not fighting him anymore. And every once in a while, it's his tapestry, right? It's that perfect tapestry. And when we get a glimpse of that, that's peace. We know exactly where we are in God's perfect tapestry. How do we, so, so reading backwards, as I've said a million times, I believe that if, if, if A plus B equals C, then C equals B plus A, right? It runs the same forward and backward, same with, with the English language. If I want to be granted a glimpse of that ultimate reality, which is God king, God's kingdom, if I want that now and then, then I need an unshakable foundation for life, and the way I get the unshakable foundation for life is to interweave and logically relate prayer, meditation, and self-examination, right? Same sentences, just going backwards. So once I've done that, I'm starting to get peace. So if peace, we've already talked about, is, is, is within grace, what am I doing here? I'm also opening myself up to all the benefits of grace, Right? I'm letting go of that final black umbrella. How? Through uh, self-examination, meditation, and prayer. In fact, Bill talks uh, really, very esoterically on page 97 in the 12 and 12. Um, After he says that, you know, just relax about the praying thing. You know it, I know it, we all do it, let's just relax. It's been well said. Almost the only scoffers at prayer are those who've never tried it enough. He says, you know, uh, uh, so we'll put that aside. If you're having problems with praying, you need to go back 
and uh, deal with one, two, and three, I think. Those of us who have come to make regular use of prayer would no more do without it than we would refuse air, food, or sunshine. So he equates air, food, and light, sunshine, in this way. He says when we refuse it, air, light, or food, the body suffers. When we turn away from meditation and prayer, interwoven, right? We likewise deprive our minds, which is in our psyche, in our soul, our minds, our emotions, also in our psyche, and our intuitions of vitally, uh, Latin word meaning life-giving, needed support, right? So he's equating meditation, prayer, and self-examination to air, food, and sunshine for the body. That, that meditation, prayer, and self-examination are that for the soul. And he says that. As the body can fail its purpose for lack of nourishment, so can the soul. Excuse me. <coughs> Zombie. We all need... This is great. So he equates light, the light of God's reality. Okay, these are the foods for your soul the light of God's reality, the nourishment, food, of his strength, and the atmosphere, air, of his grace. Right? So there it is. That's what feeds our soul. God's reality, God's strength, and God's grace. So I want God's grace. What do I do? I'm, I'm going to get all three of those when I, when I uh, interrelate meditation, prayer, and self-examination. So dig this. Why meditate? Oh my gosh. Why meditate? One of the biggest things, I think I've fought with more members of our fellowship over constant meditation than anything else. And the first thing is, of course, I can't meditate. I don't meditate because I can't meditate. Well, then that's why you need to learn to meditate because you can't meditate. I know, but I can't meditate. Well, then you need to learn to meditate. It's like saying I can't ride a bike, so therefore I will never ride a bike. No, you learn to meditate. Buddhists call it monkey mind. And man, alcoholics have monkey mind all the time, right? <laughs> it's all over the place, right? And I close my eyes when I start to meditate, um, when I start to learn, I close my eyes and all of a sudden all of the neurotic and schizophrenic voices would all take off at once, right? At least I could keep that alcoholic schizophrenia, and it is a, a level of actually clinical schizophrenia, that, that those voices, I could keep them at bay while I was talking. And so, you know, we meet newcomers at meetings, and they're like, I'm not going to go, because... They don't want to let those other voices in their head. They get scrambled, right? And you go, be still. I can't be still. I can't be still. Right, right, right. So first we learn with the body, and then we learn with the jaw, right? Shut up, listen for God, and then we learn to do it with our minds. And it is. And even today I'll start to meditate, and, and I'll get that, you know, your time could be better used if you were doing laundry. You should do laundry right now. Just stop this. Do this later. And you can do laundry now. You know, yeah, laundry has sat there for 10 days. It's, I needed to do it a week and a half ago. But only right now when I start to meditate does it become important enough that I should cease meditating and go doing it right now. And that's what you do. You learn 
You learn how to take those crazy thoughts and not fight them, but acknowledge them and let them go. And the, and the 12 and 12 teaches us how to meditate. We'll get to that at the end. Right? So you're not going to be able to meditate in a, in a fashion that step 11 asks us to do if we haven't done step 10. Right? Because step 10 says at this point we've already become somewhat God conscious. Right? And if we're not already on that level, we're not going to be able to bring our minds there. So I keep looking to see the steps here, and they're not over here, so I have to look down here and imagine what the steps are. Right? I wish I had them all. Man, that was so sweet. I could put up graphics and <laughs> everything else. You don't, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve. So there you go. You can't start it at step 11. Improve our conscious contact. You should have been God conscious before you got here. With God, as we understood him, meaning not that your understanding of God is correct and mine is incorrect, but rather that we all as a fellowship know what we mean when we say God. It can be God, goddess, it's higher power. Praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Right? Not praying. It's very, 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 very shaky ground to be praying for other people and what God should be doing for them. Because we're, we're not even very good at running our own lives, let alone petitioning God to help other people when we think they need help. Um, my friend and I were talking about that on the way over here, that sometimes... We should be praying that that person have 10 times more problems and 10 times the strength to overcome it so that he does meet God. And, and we try to take away the problem and we remove his opportunity of meeting God. And, and that's not up for us. So we have to be careful about that. And that's why it says only, praying only for knowledge of his will. I had someone point out early on, though, that they never saw an instance where God gave you knowledge for his will without the power to carry it out. They kind of go together. I don't know of a thing where God says, this is what I want you to do, you're on your own. Good luck with that, you know. He almost always tells you exactly what you need to do. So let's, let's look in the, in the big book, yeah? And it talks about, in, it, once, we've, once we've done the step 10, remember we were looking for, we're in understanding and effectiveness, Understanding is in between um, um, knowledge, transforming into understanding, transforming into wisdom, which is what we can carry, which is, becomes our golden, uh, our most prized possession. Our dark past becomes our most prized possession. 124 in the big book. We've entered the world of the spirit, right? So we are continuing to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. In one of our meditations, when we retire at night, now we jump from 84 to 86 in the big book, and it says, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Those are the four exact same things it told us to watch out for on page 84 and what to do when they pop up. Now that we've done that, we don't just forget it. At night, we go, oh, yeah, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I did this. And, uh, hardly a day goes by. I didn't do at least one and possibly all four, right? Resentful selfish. I can be resentful still. 30 years sober, I can be resentful at a, uh, uh, a philosophy 
you know? I'm, I'm mad at a certain city that uses drugs to treat drug addiction, you know? I, and, and, and I'm not going to, because now we're all over the world, so I'm not going to say it, because then I'll have people writing Sharpie things on my car. <laughs> it says, you hate us. No, I just, that's my own problem. So I had to do what it said in step 10, right? Call someone immediately, discuss it with someone, ask God to remove it at once, talk to someone immediately, and then resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I could help. Am I selfish? Yeah. Um, I try not to be, but I am. Am I dishonest? A little bit. A little bit. Like uh, Goodfellas. A little bit. Or uh, afraid? Jeez. I, I, I think that's probably my greatest gift during all of this, plus my own personal things mixed in, is that I'm not really afraid. You know, I, I, I want to be right uh, as, far as, as far as this worldwide epidemic. Um, I'm a firm believer in soap and, you know, I'm not going around. And, and we're finding out as, what is today, 26th, 27th, 26th? 26th of March 2020. And we're finding out now that, the, that most people who have contracted the, contracted the virus are uh, you? you they're, 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 You can't tell they have it for sometimes weeks. Sometimes they have it and they get over it without knowing they had it. And it's we're learning a lot of stuff. And so I'm I'm not going to be somebody that carries that to somebody else. I'm just not going to do that. That's you know. So I'm not making fun of any of this. Well, I'm telling jokes, but I'm not making fun of with my behavior. All right, so. Eleventh meditations. You know, I got to do this though before we get into why is meditations varieties of religious experience. We mentioned William James when we started, right? In the eighth lecture, chapter eight, the divided self and the process of its unification. James talks about the person, a, a normal, healthy-minded person who need be born only once, right? And that's those are normies out there. And those are people who can take a drink and nothing happens to them. And those are the people we look at and go, half your wine is still in your glass and you're ready to go home. You know, finish your wine before we go home, right? And they go, no, I'm, I had a couple sips, that's all I wanted. They only have to be, and it, 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 he describes those people, right? They're healthy-minded, only need to be born once. Um, that they, in, in, in the religion of the once born, the world is a sort of rectilinear or, or one-storied affair, right? Whose accounts are kept in one denomination, whose parts have just the values which naturally they appear to have, right? That, that, that for normal people, things look normal. It's one tier. They do, you know, garbage in, garbage out. It's pretty simple for normal people. They work with, with it, 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 he goes on, he goes, it's, it's simple algebraic sum of pluses and minuses will give them the total worth of anything, right? And all they have to do, happiness and religious peace consist in living on the plus side of the account. So if you ask a normal person to do a step 10 or step 11, they don't understand it the way we do. 
Because they, they, they see everything as like, like I did when I first got here. I thought, I thought my 10th step was I, I put my hand out at night and I'd go, okay, I did this right and I did this bad and this bad and this bad and this right. And I thought I was an apothecary scale, right? And as long as the right kind of tipped one finger more than the, than the left, I was okay. And that was what I thought it was. But that's for normal people. That's not us. It says, but on the, the, uh, the twice born, the sick individual, the one that has had, had a, a, a soul sickness, those are the sick souls, which is, by the way, lecture seven, need to be twice born, <clears throat> pardon me, in order to be happy. The world is a double-storied mystery. That's us. Peace cannot be reached by the simple addition of pluses and elimination of minuses. Right? It's kind of like what we were talking about in the car. It's very hard to put our world into these easy-to-understand categories. They can't be... Uh, uh, it says natural good is not simply insufficient in amount and transient. Right? It, what he's saying is, is he says, for us, what, when we look at something and we go, where, where is the good in my life? I don't have enough of it or I can't get a hold of it. That's not enough for us. We look at it and go, what is good? Is I, what I have, is this good or is this not good? I don't understand, right? He says it's not just about being insufficient or transient, but there lurks a falsity in its very nature. So you and I, we don't even know what, what good and bad is. It all blends into what I want, right? What I want. That's all there is. There's no good or bad. We really don't think of it too much as good or bad. And we tried to apply it to moralities. Way back in the doctor's opinion, it talks about moral psychology, right? Um, we cannot find. It gives no final balance, it says. We, we, we don't understand. It keeps us, this, this misunderstanding of, of, of what things really are, it keeps us from our real good, right? We don't understand what direction to go. There are two lives, the natural and the spiritual. And we must lose one before we can participate in the other. Okay? There, that's one of the reasons we need to read this book. Because that explains step 11. I need to meditate to get out of this world. Because I can't make heads or tails out of this world. Even 30 years later, I'm going, what is this? None of this is real, right? What is good? What is bad? I'm still not certain. All I can do is, is what the book tells me and the 12 and 12. And, and I can be guided by William James because the big book told me to. And it keeps it very simple like that. All right, so... So now I, 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 I want to meditate. Um, I don't know how to do that. So I'm going to look in the big book and see what it says. It says, first of all, it's an attitude. Okay? There it is right there. When we say I can't do something, we're never going to do it. I teach courses on uh, how to um, uh, remember names. See, I forgot what course I was teaching. <laughs> I teach a, a memory course. Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, but one of the biggest obstacles in people not knowing 
how to remember somebody else's name is the fact that they tell themselves and everyone around them, I'm not very good at remembering people's names, right? Automatically, they can't, right? One of the, one of the easiest ways to forget a responsibility you have is to tell somebody else in your posse to remind you to do it because you just gave up all your personal responsibility for carrying it out. You know, be sure and remind me to pick up my bag before I leave tonight. Now, if I leave and my bag's there, it's on you, man, not on me, right? Same with meditation. I can't meditate. Therefore, I'm excused from step 11, right? No, man, no. You need to work harder than others, right? Um, so it can be very simple. It can start with one minute, two minute, three minute. There are thousands of different types of meditations, right? So what are we trying to, to achieve in meditation? I was talking um, to someone the other day about, about uh, hallucinogens and getting sober. And this young person said, well, the only thing um, I don't like about getting sober so young is I'm going to miss out on trying all the hallucination, all the hallucinatory uh, drugs and substances. And so my response is, no, no, no. If you follow what these books lay out for you, you have an opportunity to climb above the artificial uh, God-like experiences. So there are two... You get, if you look into LSD history... There was Albert Hoffman, who was the discoverer slash inventor of LSD. But on the other side, there is Abram Hoffer, who was a friend of Bill Wilson's, right? Who was head of uh, the psychiatric hospital in Saskatchewan. Um, They came up with a way to find what was in a schizophrenic's blood um, to determine the level of schizophrenia they were suffering from. And um, when you hear the term adrenochrome, that is a, it's a real thing, but it's not a drug. That is a Hunter S. Thompson made-up thing. It doesn't come from the penile gland. It comes from the adrenal gland, where you would guess adrenochrome, right? And the problem is, is that adrenochrome then will, if, if you have a fight or flight, it'll turn into an adrenaline and you can take off. But with schizophrenics, it turns into uh, adrenatutin. I'm, I'm not a biochemist. But it, it, it changes into something else that doesn't get broken down in the body. And so therefore, this, it's not adrenaline, but it's this weird form of, 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 uh, uh, neurotic, of, of neurochemical that... Uh, that intensifies the schizophrenia. But they can blood test it and urine test it, and they have since the 50s. So what they also did with these tests is they found, they discovered over years and with volunteers that uh, alcoholics naturally have these, that we are naturally schizophrenic. And that when we come in, varying degrees of schizophrenia is natural among us. And even at the lowest degree, we have delusions of grandeur, which is delusional, which is schizophrenic, right? At the lowest level. But many of us have high levels. And so they continued testing as they went through. And one of the things that was discovered is that the more alcoholics followed 
Bob Smith's regimen of 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night of meditation and silent time, that those chemicals were less and less in the blood and less and less in the mind. And here's where they connect, is that that schizophrenia is the same reaction that LSD has on normal people. And that when normal people react to LSD, they have something very close to what alcoholics have with the DTs, right? Delirium tremors, right? Where like you don't drink and you're all, now you're seeing spiders and snakes and shaking and sweating, right? You're freaking out. And, and that what they found as a whole is that through meditation, alcoholics reduce that. And so that allows us then to start having what with normal people they can have what they tried to explain as almost a godlike experience when they took LSD, when they had low doses under a doctor's supervision. But you and I have that naturally. And what Hoffman said, the inventor was, he said he thought he discovered something new and then he found out, no, no, no. It's, not, it's in all sorts of plants everywhere. Then he discovered, oh my gosh, it's already in your brain. Everything that you would need to go into this artificial God consciousness is already in your brain, right? So, so what we're doing here is we are doing two things by doing daily meditation as alcoholic drug addicts. We are lowering our, physiologically lowering our uh, uh, levels of schizophrenia and mental illness, physiologically lowering it, right? And we are opening ourselves to a more natural God consciousness, right? Um, even on a secular level, what, what is called the, the re- reptilian responses are just the me responses in the brain, right? What I need for me, I need to eat, I need, I need uh, shelter, I need clothing, I need a mate, I need all of those. And that's, we come in here, that's our biggest disease, right? Is the me disease, everything I want, including drugs and alcohol and validation and, and prestige and all the things I don't deserve, right? And that's, that's very low consciousness, right? It's not even a consciousness. Later, it, uh, Thomas Aquinas discussed consciousness. It's, it's not, it, it, the Greeks called it uh, N-O-U-S, nose, or nos, right? And it's, it's your mind and God and nature all blending into one. And that's what consciousness is, Right? So us to even be conscious is pretty amazing. But during the day, we're, we're very reptilian, right? We're very, get in my way, I'm going to strike, right? Going to attack me, I'm going to run. Uh, I need to eat, I need to do this, I need to run this, I get out of my way, I got stuff to do. But first thing in the morning, we're not in that mode. Last thing at night, we're not in that mode. And we can rise to a higher level of consciousness. And this is, this is just secular. This has nothing to do with spirituality yet. We can then start thinking in terms of a higher level of understanding, which is, I'm now thinking empathetically of the people who got in my way. 
Instead of they were striking me because they wanted to hurt me, they were defending themselves because they thought I was going to hurt them. I'm in a mode, a higher level of thinking, where I can examine the world better. All right, that's just secular. If we in turn interweave that with prayer and looking at myself to see where I was in error, and then as it says here, we ask God's forgiveness for that. That's humility, right? I'm, I'm incorporating a whole lot more than just the secular change of, of, of brain activity, right? And I'm becoming a new person. And this multi-leveled mystery of life where you and I live, instead of the, the one-level townhouse where normies live, where everything is perfectly in its place and they can explain everything, and you and I are going, you know, we live in the Winchester house. We don't know where stairways go sometimes, and we're always trying to figure it out. And so meditation daily, there we go back to one day at a time, right? There's this 24-hour concept of we can't meditate ourselves into this state and be there forever. We do it every morning and every night. So the first thing he says to do, he says, uh, when we retire at work, at night, sorry, night, work, (laughs) we constructively review our day. Where were we, those four things that were on page 84, resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which needs to be discussed with another person at once? Where we, I, you know, when I want to be called out, I, I, I call myself out with my friends. It's great. It's great. I did it uh, 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 last year sometime. Um, I was with a, a, a woman friend, and this other woman friend left, and I turned to the first friend, and I said, oh my gosh, I have such a crush on her. And my first friend said, I know you do, and I know you're not going to act on it, which insulted me at first, right? How do you know I'm not going to act on that? It's because I know because you're a good man, and she's already involved with someone, so that's it. Go, oh yeah. And I was good because I realized what I had done is what this is right here. I just exposed an innocent crush instead of keeping it a dark secret thing, right? Which could have grown into something weird, you know, in my Winchester house of reality, right? So sometimes my, my self-examination is right on the spot. And that's what it talks about, spot checks, right? That's how I live. I try to expose my life. I really try to be transparent. I don't want to be caught anymore. I'm tired of being caught, man, and called out. I cannot be humiliated as long as I'm humble. If I have no secrets, you can't call me out and expose anything. You know, I don't really care. Everything, to know me is to know my secrets. Were we, oh, oh, um, yeah, discuss with another person at once. Were we kind and loving toward all? That's something it said last week that I didn't get to mention. That the concept of of loving, uh, possessively loving one group, Hating or fearing, and I love how they put those two together in the same basket, right? Because the people I hate and the people I fear are the same kind of people. Hating or fearing one group, possessively loving, right? I can't just love and give it and walk away. You owe me. If I love you, you owe me your love back, right? And, and then nothing for the rest of them in the main basket. I don't really care. It says that's got to go. Everybody's got to be in one basket 
of just being kind and loving toward all. All. Were we kind and loving toward all? How many? Most. All. What could we have done better? Were we thinking of what we could do for others? Of what we could pack into the stream of life? And then it says we, we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. We're only going to review the, the coming day, by the way. Alcoholics like to review the coming decade, right? It's like, yeah, but what if, what if I never meet somebody, <laughs> right? I'm broken up right now. But what if I, my whole life goes by and I, I, I never fall in love again? No, no, dude, just, just stick with the 11th step, right? Look at today. And, and, and look a little bit about tomorrow. We must be careful of worry, remorse, morbid reflection. Why? Why? Because it would cause me suffering? No, because page 77. My true purpose is to be of maximum, to be best fitted to be of maximum service to God and to those about me. And so if, if I'm in worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, that would diminish our usefulness to others. Then after this review, what do we do? We pray. We pray. If it says we ask God, that's praying. I don't know any other way to do it. We ask God's forgiveness. That makes us humble. You know, if you work with me, I, I'm, I, I, I powerfully suggest on one's knees and inquire of God what corrective measures should be taken. What can I do differently tomorrow? Not a year from now, right? Tomorrow, when I see the same person that I didn't, that I wasn't kind and loving toward. Then on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. That's it. Don't think any farther than that, right? If you want to be happy the rest of your life, <laughs> don't think much farther than 24 hours ahead. Make plans, put it on your calendar, but I'm talking about thinking, right? Secret thinking. Uh, we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God. There's our prayer to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from me, 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 and me. Self-pity, right? The reptilian brain. Self-pity, dishonesty, self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ those great, big, beautiful alcoholic brains with assurance. After all, God gave us brains to use. I had somebody tell me that as soon as they got sober, that was the sentence they pulled out of the book, right? They were at step one, and they go, oh, what do you mean I can't think about it? The book says, after all, God gave us brains to use. He said, yeah, well, that's at step 11. Don't use your brain till you get there, please, all right? Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane. What is that higher plane? It's on page 87. It says, nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. That's God guidance. That's God's plane. We're trying to move our head, not only from the reptilian brain to a higher consciousness, but all the way to the next one, to a God conscious. And when we get to a God conscious, then you're in where the mystics were, where the gurus go, right? Then you're in the place where, like, there is no drug that'll make you that high. There is, there, the, then you become in this, that, that momentary glimpse into God's kingdom. 
then you get that grace. You get that peace. You get that unshakable foundation for life. Man, that's better than any high I've ever had is that feeling, right? And then in thinking of our day, we ask God to remove, uh, to clear any wrong motives. And in thinking of our day, we may face indecisions. We may not be able to determine which course. We ask God for inspiration because we're on the level of inspiration. An intuitive thought, the thing about intuition is it's always right. You don't have an intuitive thought that tells you something inaccurate. It, it, it can't be intuition if it tells you the wrong thing to do. It's not intuition. Intuition's always right. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. Dig it. I was, uh, I was living in Port St. Loser, Florida. Lucy, I mean. And, um, and I, I was ready to move. And I didn't know whether I wanted to live some by, I wanted to live out by the pool and I wanted to live uh, the life of Dean Martin and I was, I don't know, 12 years sober and I was either going to go back to Las Vegas or down here to Miami Beach. And I didn't know which way to go. And I, I stood out in America's hometown of Port St. Loser, where there is no Main Street, and so there are, it's dark in a lot of places. And I looked up and I said, I started talking to God, and I said, God, listen, I have a question. I need intuitive guidance. And I don't need metaphors, and I don't need twisted, shaky things. I need direct contact. You know me, I've been praying straight up. I've been your servant for 12 years in this program. Tell me straight up, should I move to Miami or should I move to Las Vegas? And at that point, I see this brilliant shooting star. And it just keeps going. And I realize as they get closer and closer in the atmosphere, even the size of a pea makes a terrific uh, streak in the sky, and, and I watch it about two blocks down, it actually hits the pavement, and it shatters, and it's gone. I've never seen one land, right? It was just awe-inspiring at that moment, and the very next thing I said clearly was, so does that mean I should move to Miami or to Las Vegas, right? What the fudge, man, and and... So my daughter's, I don't know how old she was at that point, um, I guess seven, right? Let's see, I was five, yeah, I was five years sober when she was born. So she had played softball, and she had swam. She'd been swimming, and she didn't know what she wanted to do for the rest of the summer. And her mom says she has to pick one of the two. And she was literally one of the worst swimmers on the team. Right? It was like, she was like Beetle Bomb, right? In the old Spike Jones thing. It would go like, and here the kids come in and they're all, the, you know, there's the, the, the Angela and Christy and Amber and, and Megan and all the girls and then, and Peyton. Okay. So she was discouraged at first and, and I thought, okay, I'm not, you know, this is my first round of being a dad, so um, I'll just model my response. Uh, after Gomez Adams. And I said, uh, 
She goes, Dad, I was last again. I said, yeah, but that gives you the, the most room for improvement. And she goes, oh, yeah. I go, you're at the top of the class in, in, in improvement. And, and with that attitude, she came in, in, I don't know what it was. She was, she was probably you know, somewhere in the middle of the group after that, right? And she did pretty good. But she came and she said, Dad, do I want to play softball? Because, see, she got smacked in the face with a ball. Because she was out there telling jokes. She was in the outfield telling jokes, you know, seven, seven-year-old riddles rather than playing ball. She was like going, hey, 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 what the big chimney say to the little chimney? You're too young to smoke. Okay, let's go, come. Right? And just, <laughs> so she gets beamed with a ball. And now she's like, I don't know what I should do, Dad. What does God want me to do? Oh, jeez, Peyton. She says, if I go swimming... I like that, but what if God wants me in the outfield to talk to a, a girl that needs my help? How do I serve others? How do I do God's will? And unlike a sponsee, I can't just say, you know, look up page and then make up a number, right? I don't know, look up page 102, check that out. And then they go, wow, how'd you know that page would fit perfectly? Always does, brother, it always does. I, she's seven, I had to tell her something. And so I said, give me a minute. And I prayed a little bit. And I said, you know, Peyton, I don't think God's too concerned, right? He has a plan. And all he wants you to do is to make your own choice. And if you make the wrong choice, he'll gently let you know. And you just have to make a choice and then be willing to change if he guides you a different way. And from that advice, I learned the most of any human being, you know, and she went on and had a great summer. Um, that sometimes is the only voice of God we hear. Now I want to, I, I still got a couple minutes, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to end with uh, how do we do those two meditations, right? So we look on page 99. This is, this is a well-known prayer, and it's actually, um, it's, it, it's, 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 on page 99, the 12 and 12, it's known as the St. Francis Prayer, although we're, we're pretty certain St. Francis didn't write it. Um, I'm not Catholic, but, uh, but I, I've watched The Exorcist 57 times. It gets funnier every time I see it. No, sorry. It's the best Catholic movie I ever saw in my life. <laughs> it is. A little something for an altar boy, father. <laughs> but I love St. Francis. I love everything that the Catholic Church teaches about St. Francis. He was the first stigmatist. He was the first saint to, to, recorded to levitate. He could speak to, to birds and small animals, right? When I was a child and I heard about stigmata, it was that, that this man prayed so deeply that his body actually changed to be closer to his God of, of Jesus Christ. And, and I, I was just amazed that the mind could do that to the body as a child. Again, from a secular viewpoint, that's just amazing. But our book, and if you, if you check out, he was like us. He was rich and powerful and cool and lost everything because God told him to put the sword down. He was so humble that all the other monks hated him. 
right? When, when people would feed him, he, he carried charcoal in his pocket, it said, so he could secretly, without you seeing it, spread it over the food so it wouldn't have taste. So he wouldn't start longing for better food when, the, when people fed him. Right? That, I, that, even if it's, I don't care if it's true or not, it's what I aspire to be. I want to float, bleed from the palms, and talk to birds. Right? I don't expect it to happen, but that's my aiming. So the book here, the 12 and 12 says, here is a way to meditate. It says it, its author was a man for several, uh, who for several hundred years now has been rated as a saint. We won't be biased or scared off by that fact, right? We won't hold that against him. (laughs) Because although he's not an alcoholic, he did, like us, go through the emotional ringer. So it says, here's what you want to do. As you read these words, as you you feel them inside, you want to go to that higher level of consciousness where you're thinking empathetically. Not, what does this mean about me, but why would he say that? Right? Think of how he came out from the other side of the painful experience. This is an expression of what he could then see, feel, and wish to become. So there are three major levels of this prayer. And I got to say, this prayer helped me out traveling the world. When your luggage doesn't show up in a country where you don't speak the language, the the gratitude gratitude list and 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 the uh, the the what's the other the serenity prayer doesn't help much. Serenity prayer seems pretty selfish when you're standing there in the dark and they're closing down an airport in you know Somalia and and you don't have your bags. All of a sudden, Lord, make me a channel of your peace. Seems a lot better for me. It just did. So the first thing it says is, make me a channel of your peace. Remember? Peace. Peace is where? It's in the grace. Grace is, is flowing all the time. So I'm asking, see, there's this, if you, if you fly over the desert, you'll see brown, 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 brown. Then you'll see this, this ribbon of green. And that ribbon of green is going to be a, 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 a river. Because everything that that fresh water touches grows, and it's alive. But you'll see, you'll see pools of brown with concentric circles because it was just rain, and then it evaporates. And you can't drink that water. It's brown water. It's dead water. But as it flows through, if water's flowing through, it's fresh. It's alive. And everything that comes near it grows. That's what the whole, the whole God-goddess thing of the Nile was about. Lord, make me a channel, a green river of your peace. Let me be filled with peace. I get all the benefits of the fresh peace, but I, I'm asking for it, not for me, but so that I can channel it to everyone who needs it. Everything I ask for here, I'm going to be the vessel to be filled with. So when I say that where there is hatred, I might bring love. Awesome. I'm asking God to fill me with love. That's a meditation. What would it be like to be filled with love so that I can empty that love where there's hatred? Right? Where, I, where all the people that not only I hate, but everybody else hates. Right? Can I go find those people? Will God put them in my path so I can be filled with love and dump it on them? Even though they don't appreciate it. Even though they hate it. And they hate me. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. Filled with that. Filled with the spirit so that I can carry it to others. 
right? I don't try to avoid people I hate or avoid people that are wrong or avoid discord or error or doubt or despair or shadows or sadness. I don't try to avoid those. I ask God to fill me up with what is needed to offset those things. So I'm, a, I, I'm being best fitted to be of maximum service to God and those about me with this prayer meditation. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. That where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. That where there is despair, I may bring hope. There are shadows, evil. I may bring light, your light, right? The light of God's understanding. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. And again, joy is divine. It's not higher level of happiness. Then there's a, then there's a, a, a second level in this meditation. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. It is not asking, it's not a prayer saying, God, don't let me uh, be uh, comforted, don't let me be understood, don't let me be loved. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, if I naturally have a desire to be comforted right here, I ask that you give me a greater desire to comfort others than what I normally have to be comforted, which may even be this high, right? Because I'm an alcoholic. It's pretty high. I need to be comforted, right? I have to work on the humility to bring that down. But that's not what this prayer is saying. This prayer is saying, grant that I may be filled with a desire to comfort others even more, to understand. When I'm arguing with somebody, I yell and I speak slowly, right? Listen to me, right? That's because I want to be understood, right? That's how they yell at me, actually. I don't yell at them like that anymore. I used to, but not anymore, right? So I'm praying now every day that like, God, let me just shut up and, and, and understand what they're trying to yell at me. What they're, why they're trying to defend themselves, right? Because of myself, I'm nothing. I can't do that. And I want, to, I, want to have, I want to have a higher level, higher desire to love than my need to be loved, right? That's an amazing, it's not to, it can be used as a prayer. It is a prayer, but it's taught here as a meditation. And the last part of it is it reminds me, and this is a great meditation part, it, 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 because I'm telling myself, remember, Doc, that through my own self-forgetting, I'm going to find everything I ever need, right? That by forgiving, I'm forgiven, right? By forgiving even the littlest thing, and, 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 and even it's the other way. I'm already forgiven, because that's what the book says. By now we believe you have been forgiven, right? I, 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 who am I to hold anything against anything? anyone. Who am I to hold anything against anyone if God's already forgiven me for the horrors I I committed? It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. That's not talking about Christianity. That's talking about William James, right? About needing to die again that old life and be reborn. And the book says, by now you have been reborn. And we're born twice this way right? It's not a Christian concept. That's, a, that, that, that's a, an AA concept. The last thing it says is, as beginners in meditation, we might now reread this prayer several times, very slowly, savoring every word, 
and trying to take in the deep meaning of each phrase and idea. And I hope that that helps everyone today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your lives, whether you're sober or not. Um, And then uh, step 12 is next week, and I'll be here, I believe. Um, Doc Alcoholic, thank you. Give that two squirts. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Barry. All right, let's thank the speaker again. And let's have Megan come up for our secretary's report after Barry sanitizes again. <laughs> Don't touch it, Megan. Uh, uh, your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Chris to come up and read the recovered statement. Uh, We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as uh, recovered rather than of recovering, and what exactly it means to be a recovered alcoholic. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Recovered. We're not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. That's page 23 in the big book. We are now seeing where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. 1940s-style big book sponsorship from forward to second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest suggest a 75% success rate. Could I please have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? And anyone needing a sponsor? (laughs) Um, Okay, so announcements for tonight. Um... Join us again. Uh, We will be podcasting and Facebook Live um, broadcasting these meetings. Um, If you'd like to um, donate, because we're still donating to Intergroup, um, text one of us or send a message on here, and we can set that up. We have electronic payments. Um, And please join us Monday nights for the Big Book study meeting, where the Big Book comes alive. Um, We will be podcasting those meetings as well, so you can listen in that way. Uh, We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, the little red book, and big book dictionaries for sale. We meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. See you all next week. Um, All right, so we have tonight's session and all the past speaker podcasts online uh, for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. And I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study and actually... Uh, This upcoming Monday, we're going to be having uh, Mike Chase and Doc uh, chairing for us, so 
uh, definitely tune in for that. We'll be uh, live streaming that as well. Uh, and those who wish to thank tonight's speaker uh, can call, text. Uh, it's a good time to bring back the lost art of letter writing. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, thank you, and I'll, hopefully you'll see us all next week. Hey, hey, hey. Ooh, heavy, shoulders thirsty, body's aching. I am desperately in need of restoration.
just can't get you right It doesn't matter how hard I try But with you I become a much stronger man Getting on my knees puts me back on my feet again On my own I just can't get you right It doesn't matter how hard I try But with you Stronger man Getting on my knees Puts me back On my feet again Getting on my knees Puts me back On my feet Getting on my knees Puts me back On my feet again Yeah, yeah, yeah Oh, when you're smiling When you're smiling The whole world Smiles with you, baby, baby Yes, when you're laughing When you're laughing Yes, the sun Comes shining through But when you're crying You bring on the rain Stop your sighing, baby And be happy again Yes, and keep on smiling Keep on smiling, baby And I hope
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Time in my life 
are green now, growing vines. They twist and turn each way, flowers blooming all the time right outside my door. Change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life. Cause this broken man I travel far and wide through the great divide through his own heart, yeah. Just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. The fog is lifted, see the light, count my blessings when I go to sleep at night, and I dream now. Ten years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Have a very good night.